Welcome to Unite from the Nehemiah Network, the weekly audio magazine. And today is a great day for you to be listening, especially if you're married. And maybe more so if you're in a marriage that struggles. Because today we're going to hear about how God can use struggling marriages for His glory. We are with Phil and Starla Goad. And Phil and Starla serve with Cami. You've heard us talk to Phil here before, but today will be the first time we get to talk to Starla. So we're excited about that. But Phil and Starla serve with the Central Arkansas Marriage Initiative. And it's an organization that's been around for a bit, but just now is beginning to come to the surface with some real exciting things. And one of those things, Phil, is the Couples Story Workshop. It's coming up on September 24th. It's a six-hour workshop from 9 to 3. Tell us a little bit about that, and welcome to Unite. Thank you, Mike. We're glad to be here. The Couples Story Workshop is going to be hosted by a couple from San Antonio, Texas, who are involved in the San Antonio Marriage Initiative. They developed a workshop where they will come and teach us how to tell the story of our marriage, including the good times, perhaps when we began and fell in love, and the times where maybe things went off track and began to struggle. And we'll also learn how to be able to tell the story of how God's redeemed it and restored it. They're going to teach us how to do it in a compelling way, in a short way, just eight minutes long. You can tell the story of your marriage with the hopes that maybe there'll be someone you can tell it to that will give them hope for their marriage. Starla, why do you think the concept of being able to tell our story in marriage is so important? I think it's important to tell the story of our marriage because there's so many marriages who do struggle. And it's important that we tell it in a way that people can understand and identify with. And so I think it's really important to be able to tell your story in a short, succinct way. And the whole idea of this is that they can see the hope of Christ in your story. So in one way, it's restorative. And in another, it's evangelism, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Every time we tell our story, we're reminded of what God's done in our lives and increases our faith. And we've had the blessing of being able to be around actually a lot of other people. When they hear the story, they think, well, maybe we can make it too. Mm -hmm. And so it is really a blessing to be able to share what God has done in our lives. And I'm looking forward to learning how to do it in even a more effective way. And you're telling your story a lot. You have partnered with Family Life out of Little Rock to do the Art of Marriage. You're off to do one of those events even this weekend. And then I heard you say you're headed to Africa to do another Art of Marriage event. What's driving that in you? As we uh, began to develop our ministry together, a couple things that God called us to, and we'll share with you in a little bit about our marriage But that led into a ministry to marriages, a ministry to people who have had struggles in their marriage or even marriages that are doing well but would like to do better. And alongside that, God began to open some doors through some friends we knew at our church and this community who began to get involved in international adoption and care for foster children and vulnerable kids around the world. And so we've had the opportunity to be engaged with an organization called Lifesong for Orphans that does worldwide 
orphan care, both in the States and around the world. And as we did that, we began to get to know people who decided to leave land and homes and family and friends and go to a foreign country because they felt God had called them to go minister to vulnerable children around the world. And as we got to know them, it was really clear what a tremendous stress it is on their marriage to make such a sacrifice for these kids and for God. And then we realized, hey, I think that's what God wants us to do, is to be engaged with these people who are giving up so much to go into these foreign places. Many of them, in fact, most that we've met are younger couples with children, much like our grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And uh, we see the stress in their marriage, and we thought maybe we can contribute to, to their ministry by contributing to their marriage. And so next month, we've uh, partnered with the Christian Alliance for Orphans, or CAFO, and they've announced to their member organizations to send the couples who are doing foreign mission work with their organization to Kenya, and we're going to a retreat center there and going to present the family life art of marriage to missionary couples in the hopes that it'll encourage them in their marriage, which is going to make their ministry even more effective. We did the Art of Marriage in Zambia last year, and we also realized that the missionary couples just were hurting, you know, because of the stress on their marriages. And so we were able to have probably 24 couples that came, and some of them were teachers from the Lifesong School and their spouses, and it was then several missionary couples that came as well. And so we really started seeing the need for missionaries to have the encouragement as well. And so we got to do that, and it was a really, it was a joy. Well, as we know, God will not waste our pain. He will turn it toward his glory. And it is apparent that you guys are about him and about seeing couples uh, see God's purpose fulfilled in their marriage, but it didn't come without some pain on your own. So we want to hear your story. Tell me about the, when you guys met, Starla. Well, we were at Harding University, and um, I was actually a grade ahead of him, and so, but he was coming to look at the school, and we met there. We pretty much instantly fell in love and you know of course we began to date and get serious and we were married in 1975 of course we both graduated and Phil was able to go to the University of Arkansas at the medical sciences for his toxicology degree while I worked at the medical library and helped put him through school we were married 5 years and then we had Rachel our first child and then we had Christopher three years later and Daniel three years later. And so uh, we have three children and we have had a very good marriage. And our kids were probably, Rachel was 18, I believe, when we came upon some struggles in our marriage and things had gone pretty well. You know, we were very involved in the church. Phil was a leader in the church. I was very involved in all kinds of things, homeschooling and being a, you know, a room mother and all these different things uh, with our children. I was a stay-at-home mom. So he was very busy in his work with CTEH. And of course, through the years, there were challenges with him being gone a lot and 
had some struggles in our marriage later on. So you had, in the meantime, you had finished your degree, got your PhD, started a company, and a very successful company as well here in central Arkansas. And that doesn't come without cost to a marriage and family. Tell us about that. Yeah, our business in particular was primarily based around emergency response, which meant that we had to be available any time, day or night, 365 days a year to respond if there was a chemical release emergency from one of our clients anywhere in the United States. And so it was a pretty demanding job. It took a lot of work to uh, make it successful. God's hand was in it really from the very beginning and really blessed us. I had Christian partners who we started it with, but it was a very demanding job and was stressful to a family too for the dad to be on call day or night to be called away at times with no notice to have to work on most of the vacations and times away there were components of our work we'd have to be engaged in we were really blessed through that job but also really challenged through the job too how would you describe some of the challenges that you did have that affected the marriage i think being gone as much as i did i had to travel quite a bit I think the longest stint away was I had a trial I was involved in New Orleans that lasted about six weeks, and so that's quite a bit of time to be away. Now, having said that, my son's in the military, and he gets called away for three or four months at a time, so it's not quite that same level, but it was pretty demanding from just a travel perspective. It was demanding from a, a um, emotional or mental attitude perspective where you had to think about it a lot and it was hard to ever really get away from taking care of the business being an owner of it was added i think some more demands uh, too starley you, you probably didn't sign up for all that did you well i didn't realize how much time he would have to spend away from home and it, it was a lot of times short stints but when you're raising a family, it can become very difficult because you find yourself being the one at home trying to make the decisions for the kids and all the things that go on there. And so when he was home, he was, he was home with the kids and a great, great father. But a lot of times that did put stress on our marriage. So obviously there were times when you were working independently and probably got kind of lonely from that. And loneliness just helps breed an environment that can't be healthy in a marriage, right? Yeah, I think it was probably hardest on Starla because I would be traveling, uh, doing business, and engaged in things. Sometimes they were pretty exciting things, very demanding things, but I would be engrossed in that while Starla was at home being the awesome mom she is and taking care of our children and raising them and I think at times she felt isolated and alone. Is that true? Yes, there were times when I felt, you know, I really missed him, and I I missed him being there to help with the children. And uh, so, yeah, there were times where I felt alone. I had lots of friends at church, and but nothing compares to your husband being there for you. So, and so, and then when he was home, a demanding career, preoccupied. Right, So he was here sometimes, but he was doing what he needed to do as a father and as a husband, but there was always that, that tension, I guess, is, is there. So 
How did you navigate all this to get to where we are today? Well, I think one, and it was God's grace, one thing he did give me was even though I traveled a lot, I felt like when I got home, I was pretty much at home. I remember the boys running up when I would open the door and say, Dad, let's we pl- change into your play clothes, which for them meant get in my jeans or shorts and yeah. wrestle around on the floor with them a lot. And I don't think I ever had the attitude that I need my space when I get home. I I felt like, and I, I think it was God's grace telling me that, that it won't last long. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kids aren't going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't go home and sit down and say, I need my quiet time. So I felt like we dealt with it pretty well when we were there. It was just a demanding time physically being away. And then there was also a lot of time where I had to be thinking about what was at hand uh, with the job. And I I think that did affect me. I want to reiterate the fact that Phil was very engaged when he came home. You know, that was one of the things, you know, taking our kids hunting and doing all kinds of things. And we did a lot together as a family. So I guess maybe that's why in some ways it came as such a surprise when we were starting to have some big difficulties because we were very family oriented. We were, we did things together. So I do want to say that he, Phil was a really good dad mm. and husband. And you were a pretty good businessman. I mean, you had a very successful company going. So you're leading not only in your church, but you're leading your company, you're leading Starla, you're leading your children. And when you're giving out so much, there can be some vulnerabilities. That's right. I think for me that the major vulnerability was pride that I struggle with and still to this day have to be aware of and deal with is the pride that can come when it looks like you're doing well and maybe you're successful in some things and not being as careful as you would about your heart. And so I think pride uh, got in the way of me, and I began to have an affair with someone that was involved at our work, was also uh, at our church, and I just didn't take the steps that I needed to early on to stop it from happening or then, then later on to take the steps that could have prevented what happened. One of the things that I realized I was facing, too, was that I came to the point, and I'm sure it was Satan telling me that there's really no one to help me with this. I didn't know how to talk to Starla to get some help to let her know early on some of the struggles I was having. I felt like I didn't want to hurt her or I was afraid to tell her whatever it was. And so I was became isolated in this secret and not really having a way to to go to anybody and and try to get help. And so what I did was I kept the person that God had created for me to be my helper, I kept her out of the place where she could help me. Mm. And as I look back on that, I see that that was an area that really contributed to my fall. I think because Phil was a leader in the church and he was president of his company at that time, I think it really set him up for a fall. Uh, And he wanted to protect, he wanted to provide 
for his family, for me, but it was very difficult for him to tell me the struggle he was going through at work in, on this level because he didn't want to hurt me. He wanted everything to kind of be okay without having to tell anybody. But that's what the enemy wanted. He wanted it to be a secret. And that's where the enemy works. His best work is in secrets. And so I believe that it was just a work of God that helped Phil come to a place where he could tell me what was happening in his life. And because he was finally able to tell me, then I was able to help him. If he had done that, you know, four years earlier, it could have been squelched. It could have been stopped right then. But God has done an amazing work in our marriage, and he did an amazing thing with Phil. And you may want to tell this part about when you finally came to a place where you didn't have any answers left. Yeah, I was trying to think of ways to tell her, uh, ways to confess this to her, to begin the process of healing, but I just couldn't figure out how to do it, a time or place was just beyond me and so I remember I can actually even see uh, the place I was at driving to work one day and I just said God I can't handle this anymore I thought of what Jesus said on the cross where he said under your hands I commit my spirit and I said that to him uh, and I said I'll, whatever it takes you just do what you need to in me and then he began to real s severely oppress me I was physically ill Mentally, I was losing my memory. I couldn't think straight. It was very, very oppressive uh, as his hand came down upon me. I, I identify with some of the Psalms, Psalms 38, where David talks about, you know, his, the arrows have pierced him because of his sin, that he was crushed and made sick. And all those things were happening to me uh, after I came to the point where I turned that over to God and say, you're going to have to help me out of this and so uh, on a, one of my business trips on the way back I realized I said this is the night this is the time to tell her so I wrote out my confession on the plane and I got home that evening from the airport and I said Starla there's something I need to tell you and I sat down and I read it uh, verbatim what I'd written down because it said what I wanted to say and then that began uh, a very tough time for us, a very dark time for us as a couple, for her as a woman, me as a man. We shared with some close friends. We told our children they were old enough to understand. And I was a leader of our church, so I confessed to our church. Really what had happened is in my actions had let down virtually everybody that I knew and, and cared about. Mm -hmm. But uh, that then began the process of two to three to four years, really, of God healing us individually and healing our marriage. Starla, how would you describe those four years of healing that has transpired? It was a very crushing, devastating time to begin with. It was because I had pretty much put Phil on a pedestal in my mind, and when this happened, he came crashing down. and. It was very difficult, um, very sad, very hard, lots and lots of tears, you know. And it was a very slow process of healing because where he had 
so to speak, jumped into the pit, I was pulled into the pit with him. So whether I wanted to be in the pit or not, I was in the pit. And I was in the pit of anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, hurt, you name it, I, I was there. And God was so good to us and to me personally to help me through those, those very difficult years to be able to find a place where I could forgive again, I could lose the bitterness. The complete healing he gave me was only from the Lord. And uh, he had actually put me in a place where um, before this happened, I had agreed to teach in a community Bible study uh, with my friend who was teaching as well. And I had already said yes to that, already been trained to go and teach that next fall. And so this happened in the summer. And I was devastated, didn't think I could ever teach, could do, what did I have to say to anybody about the Bible when I was going through what I was going through? But Phil and some others had very much encouraged me to stick with it and do it anyway. And so literally I was set on a journey to have to be in the Word of God because I was going to have to teach the Word of God. And literally on my face before the Lord, asking him to help me because I had completely zero, nothing to give. And he was able, through a 12-year period of me teaching, he set my feet on a rock. So I think all of this is just the work of God. That's all I can say. Because you can't get past something like this with hurt and bitterness and unforgiveness unless God takes his hand and heals you. A couple of years after I'd confessed to her, we were still in a place where I had really come to the point where I felt like uh, I was never going to be useful again in the kingdom. I never doubted my salvation because of my faith in Christ that my sins were forgiven, but I felt like I'd messed up so bad I'm not going to be able to teach or preach anymore or lead anymore in the kingdom. And it was that was a really dark time, feeling like, I'm just going to be on the sidelines the rest of my life. And uh, we went out and, uh, to a family life weekend getaway, and we were there with people who cared about that ministry and actually had lunch at there with Dennis and Barbara Rainey and shared to them where we were at, including my despair at that point about ever being useful. And I remember Dennis saying that one day your marriage will become a trophy of grace. And those were really hopeful words to us, and they become true, uh, that by the grace of God, he has restored us and uh, redeemed us and has now put in our heart uh, the desire to make a difference in other people's marriages and the ability to do that. I confessed to her um, uh, a little over 14 years ago now, and uh, he's really placed us as starless on a rock and... We feel like by his grace uh, we are healed and now we get a chance to have a message that we've been able to give to many couples who've been in the same place we have and our message is it doesn't matter what you've been through or what you're experiencing now or what you've experienced in the past if two people love Jesus and are committed to keep the wedding vows that they made you can survive anything, and not just survive, but you can thrive and become a trophy of grace. So no matter 
where your marriage is today, there's hope. Right. The important thing is to just stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. Tell God what's happening in your heart. Be open with your feelings to the Lord because He already knows how you feel. So you might as well go ahead and say it. And one of the verses that really uh, came out to me when I was on my face many times just praying to the Lord to help me. Um, and it was First Peter 5.10, and it, and it says, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. And that was a very powerful verse for me in my, in my walk toward freedom. Phil and Starla Goad, true trophies of God's grace. Thank you guys for sharing your story, for doing what you do to see marriages fulfilling their purpose that God intended for them. And we are excited about the Couple Story Workshop. So no matter where you are in your story of God's glory, these guys want to help you tell it and proclaim it. And the Couple Story Workshop is coming up on September 24th at Little Rock Church. It'll be that Saturday from 9 to 3. And if you want information, head to the Cami website, which is armarriage.org. Guys, it has been an honor to be with you today. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate the chance to give God the glory by telling our story. Thank you so much. We're so glad to be here. You've been listening to Unite from the Nehemiah Network. I'm your host, Mike Clowers. Thank you for listening.